and welcome to the North Decatur Presbyterian Church Sermon Series. We're a PCUSA congregation in Decatur, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to ndpc.org or just come by and visit. Here's this week's sermon. We've spent the last month in Exodus, in the wilderness together. I hope these last four weeks have helped you to draw some of that wisdom from those stories forward into our own wilderness time. If you missed any of the last four weeks of sermons, you can go back and watch the worship services on NDPC's Vimeo site. If you want to, you can also go back and listen to the sermons themselves on NDPC's website or subscribe to our sermon podcast on any uh, of the podcasting platforms like iTunes. This week, we're going to shift our attention back to the Gospels. So we'll go back from the wilderness into the city and into all of the chaos and the pressure that being in the city brings with it. In the later chapters of Matthew, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He has been in the countryside before now, preaching and teaching and healing and feeding and casting out evil spirits and manifesting the kingdom of God on earth. And then he comes to Jerusalem and he brings God's kingdom and its power into sharp contrast with the kingdoms of the world and its supposed power. These stories at the end of Matthew are full of conflicts, and today we're going to hear one such story. It's a conflict that starts over the question about whether or not to pay taxes. Listen for God's word from Matthew's gospel in the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus by what he said. So they went to their disciples And they sent them along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere and you teach the way of God in accordance with truth and you show deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality. So tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image is this? And whose title? And they answered, It's the emperor's. And Jesus said to them, Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and give to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him, and they went away. And that is the word of God. For you, the people of God, on this day, we say thanks be to God. So you need to know a few things about the people who are in this story and about the interests that they represent. So let's begin with the Pharisees, right? We are told that the Pharisees are here in this story trying to trap Jesus. And this is consistent with 
a little bit of Matthew's bias when it comes to the Pharisees. We often hear about the Pharisees in Matthew's gospel as bad guys. But the Pharisees are the ancestors of today's rabbinic Judaism. Think of the Pharisees as Jewish reformers. They're, they're pushing for a focus on careful teaching and learning of Torah. They're pushing a, a, a maintenance of Jewish cultural distinctiveness, especially when it's threatened in the face of Greco-Roman culture. The Pharisees resent Rome, and they are no fans of paying the infamous Roman taxes. So that's the Pharisees. Also in this story is a group of people called the Herodians. The Herodians are also Jewish, and like the Pharisees, they want greater Jewish autonomy from Roman rule. But the Herodians are different in that they think that the best way for the Jews to ensure their autonomy is if they will play nicely with the Roman leaders. So the Herodians in this story would have been proponents of paying the Roman taxes. Now there's another group here that's not explicitly named, but is everywhere beneath all of the Gospels, and that is Rome itself, the Roman Empire. The Emperor Tiberius held power from 14 to 37 CE. He would have been the emperor during the time of this story. And like other emperors, Tiberius ruled across a vast territory from the Mediterranean into Asia and Africa and up into Europe, including Judea and Jerusalem. Now, Rome ruled by divine right and by military terror. Roman emperors claimed themselves to be sons of God and they expect to be treated as such. Roman armies were at the ready in all parts of the empire to crush any sign of dissent. Now these armies of Rome were kept in place by a vast system of taxation, right? Rome's client kings, the local rulers that they held up in every locality They they put in power those folks to to enforce those laws, and and those local rulers would work with mercenary tax collectors to make the subjects pay for the peace, right? The peace that Rome promised. So you can feel these powers swirling around in the story as we're telling it. Into Jerusalem, Jesus walks into the city. He comes strolling in, claiming some kind of divine authority that is upon him or in him. And so the powers that are already at work in the city of Jerusalem see Jesus and they see him as a threat. And so they're going to probe him and test him. What kind of leader are you? What kind of Jew are you? Where is your allegiance, Jesus? Are you the kind that believes in resisting Rome or the kind that believes in playing along with the Roman Empire? And there's one question they can ask him that will expose the truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Any way that Jesus answers the question, he's either going to make the Herodians or the Pharisees angry. So Jesus says, when asked, Show me the coin used to pay the tax, right? Now, Jesus doesn't have a coin in his pocket. He can't pull one out himself. He really is one of those who are poor. Someone else pulls out a coin so they can all take a look at it. Here's a picture of the coin that might have been pulled out on that day. It's a silver denarius. 
One side you can see has the emperor's face, the emperor's image. It says, Tiberius Caesar, who is Augustus, a Caesar, a member of the royal family, and Augustus, the one who is venerated and honored. On the flip side, the coin shows Tiberius on the throne with symbols of authority, the scepter and the laurel crown, and it says Pontiff Maxim, or High Priest. As colleague New Testament scholar Matthew Skinner says, this coin is a claim, right? The emperor is God, the source of all power and justice. The coin shows who is in charge, and the coin uh, also is the literal means by which the people of the empire must show their consent to the emperor's claims. The coin is the way that they consent to the emperor's reign of terror and idolatry, a reign from which there is no escape. Jesus says to the people who are gathered, whose head is this and whose title is on this coin? And of course they answer the emperor's. And then Jesus says, so give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and and to God, the things that are God's. Now, the story stops there. No one says anything after Jesus drops that line. All the conversation, all the testing is over. The people who heard Jesus say this were amazed. So what do you suppose they were amazed about? Maybe they were amazed that Jesus answers the question without answering the question at all, right? He never does say whether you should pay your taxes or not. I love this. It's totally like my own experience whenever I dare to go to God with a question that I need an answer to. You bring to God a pretty basic question and, and you need an answer and, and what God ends up doing is exploding your original question, right? So that what you are left with is a vastly broader context in which to think about your particular concern. Go to God with narrow questions and you leave with broader horizons. Ask God a question like, is this job the right job for me? And soon you realize that you're not really asking about the job. You're asking about whether you have a calling. Is there a place where your deep joy and the world's deep hungers meet? Ask God a question about a particular relationship that you're in, like, God, is this the right person for me? And you end up realizing after a bit that it's not really a question about the other person as much as it's a question about you and who you are in that relationship, how it makes you feel and what you need and expect and deserve from that relationship. Go to God with a question, a basic question. Ask God, God, am I on the right path for my life? And pretty soon you realize that there is no right path. No such thing will ever present itself in any clear way. There is fidelity to each and every day, to each and every moment, fidelity to loving God and loving each other through the contingencies of life. There is no right path. 
There is driving in the dark, only able to see as far as the headlights ahead of you, trusting that the road will take you where you need to go. Right? So we begin, right, with these very narrow questions, a very narrow question in this case directed at Jesus. Should we pay taxes to the emperor? And Jesus turns the question around and returns it right to them and right back to us. Someone has a coin, they take it out. That person who takes out that coin, the very minute they do that, they are, they are caught up. They are invested in the system of power and exploitation and violence and idolatry that that coin embodies. The moment you take out that coin from your pocket, it already says something about your divided allegiances, about what you owe and to whom. To underscore this point that he's making, Jesus asks them, whose image is that on the coin? And, and the answer, of course, is obvious. It is the emperor. It's the one who's claiming to be God. It's the one who demands that you make your offering to him, it demands that you acknowledge your allegiance to him, the one who asks you to receive comfort and protection living under his peace. Give to the emperor. The things that are the emperor's, Jesus says. Well, okay, right? Uh, Maybe Jesus is giving us a way out of our complicity with the empire, with with the empires of the world. Maybe he's telling us... um, Maybe he's telling us it's okay just to pay our taxes. I mean, if the coin is the emperor's, if the emperor demands it, we should just pay it, and and then we could keep the rest of our conscience clear, right? I mean, maybe, maybe this is just the cost of living in the empire. Just a little bit of money. Just a little bit of our soul. But then Jesus says, give to God the things that are God's. Well, what does that mean? Does he mean that we are supposed to pay our church tithes along with our taxes and that we put a little bit in the the civic treasury and then a little bit into the offering plate at church, a little here, a little there, something for the emperor, a little something for God and the rest for us? I mean, that could be it, right? Is that what it means to say, give to God the things that are God's? I mean, what are God's things? And how would we know? Maybe Jesus was going back to an old story. And maybe we could go back to that story too, all the way back to Genesis. And, and we could see God hovering over the waters at the beginning of time and speaking all of creation into being over seven days, creating this beautiful ordered world with seas and stars and mountains and forests and animals and birds and people and calling it all good. What what things are God's? We might remember God's covenant with Noah after the flood and the promise that God made to preserve and protect the entire creation forevermore. We might We might go back and remember God's covenant with Abraham and the words God spoke to our ancestor Abraham and Sarah, I will be your God and you will be my people. 
We could go back and read again about God's deliverance of our ancestors when we were in bondage and slavery through the parted waters of the sea and into the freedom of the promised land. We could remember God appearing to us in the wilderness and giving us the law to order our relationships with each other. We could remember God leading us through the blooming desert, making the valleys high and the mountains low and leading us out of exile and back home. What, what again are God's things? If we know what Jesus knew, we would know the answer. We would know that creation is God's, that all creatures belong to God, that the rhythms of nature are God's. The hope that spans generations is a gift from God. Our freedom from bondage is a gift from God. Our comfort in hardship is God's gift to us. Our right relationships with each other are God's gift. The common good is God's gift to us. What are not God's things? Is there anything? Is there anything that is not God's gracious gift? Maybe that is the realization that amazed the people who heard Jesus on that day. And and that, I think, is also the realization when it comes that still amazes us today. Everything is God's. Even the things that the emperor claims, the coins and the powers and the authority the emperor claims, they are not his. They are God's whose image is on the coin, who cares? Look around and see whose image is carved, inscribed, stamped on every human face, whose image is on your face. When you look in the mirror, it is God's. So yes, Give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God what is God's. Jesus never answers the question about paying taxes. He has exploded the question entirely. Narrow questions yield to broad horizons. So take a look in your pocket today. What coins of the emperor do you find there? Do an inventory of your life. Where have the false gods claimed your allegiance and your soul? And then ask, what do I have that belongs to God? What kindness to the stranger have I yet to offer? What energy for the common good do I have yet to give? What holy hope about our future together have I kept subdued? What joy and delight 
In God and in creation have I kept hidden for so long I forgot it was there. The emperor has no clothes. Nothing belongs to him. Everything belongs to God's. You and me, we all are God's. God's kingdom of joy and justice and mercy and peace is at hand. It is here. It is now. Let the people say, Amen.